0: Lake Effect brings you conversations about what's happening in Milwaukee and the people, places, and organizations that shape our community. This is Lake Effect Spotlight from WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR. Tomorrow marks the one-year anniversary of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. President Joe Biden visited Kyiv this week and pledged more American support for Ukraine as the war drags on. A Wisconsin university, Concordia up in Mequon, has a special connection to Ukraine. Its partner university, called Ukrainian-American Concordia University, is in Kyiv. WUWM education reporter Emily Files checked in with one of its students, 21-year-old senior Anton Prima. He lives in Bucha with his family and is earning bachelor's degrees at both UACU and another university. Emily spoke to Anton on Tuesday, just as President Biden was delivering a speech about the war in Ukraine.
1: With Biden visiting... Ukraine this uh, week. I, I just want to ask what your reaction has been to what he said and and your thoughts on, on what's going on this week.
2: Well, regarding or commenting on that, it was kind of surprising on one hand at first, you know, he's arriving uh, all of a sudden in Ukraine, which and also it was interesting because it was a little, little bit kind of a glimmer of hope because we've heard a lot about US and it was kind of a representative, or at least a figure we've heard of. So it was nice to see that he came to Ukraine, visited it. I was really glad to hear about, you know, the support that U.S. is going to provide and just, I guess, being with us until the end.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Could you take me back to a year ago when this happened and where were you and what was your reaction?
2: Oh, um, so on twenty-four February, I was in my bed I got woken up, I guess, at 4 a.m. Approximately the first time by my mother, I think. And she's telling me that, you know, wake up, we're being attacked. And at first, I I kind of didn't believe and I didn't understand what was going on. And so I decided to go back, maybe nap a little bit more. And then the second time I was woken up at 5 a.m. So my mother ran again and said, like, this is serious. You should come downstairs and take a look at the TV. And so I realized, okay, I'm going to wake up and then just go check out what's going on. And then we see on the TV live broadcast and, you know, this red banner at the bottom, it says alert and the war has started. The invasion has started, you know, Russia is here. And that that was the moment I realized that this is it. This is the real deal, I guess. This is not a joke. And um, we were all shocked. We didn't know what to do. I mean, I was numb. I kind of sat in my chair and realized that I don't know what to do because should we run? Should we hide? Should we, what are we supposed to do in this matter? We started to see outside Russian helicopters and Bucha specifically. So this is all happening in Bucha right now. I'm in, you know, and I'm still here right now, actually. Um, so I, we see Russian helicopters. And then after we started hearing missiles, so we started hearing that couple sounds like whistling, you know, banging and booming. And we realized that, you know, the enemy is here. And so they started um, attacking, I think, one of the airports, which is in Hostomel. And so we heard missiles, and then that's the moment we kind of start realizing that there's a threat, and now we should do something about it. Our neighbors had a cellar, uh, an underground, where usually people keep their, I guess, assortments of food, which are canned in a jar. And right away, we cut the fence between our fence and neighbors. And for a couple days, we started running back and forth from, you know, into the cellar. So basically, when they stopped kind of bombing, or at least there wasn't any noise, we went back to our house just to take a nap. And as soon as we heard again noise. That's the moment we realized, you know, we got to get back to the cellar. Um, I think it was the third day or the fourth day. Um, There was a little window. It was quiet. And we were kind of afraid of that moment. But then we also realized that maybe this is our time and chance to maybe um, get in our car and evacuate. Because if we stayed there, we were afraid that we possibly could not survive. So we had this moment where we had like 20 minutes. I remember we started grabbing everything we could. And we just evacuated out of there. And the issue was also that one of the neighbors notified us that um, the Kadelevse, or from Chechnya, um, were coming straight to Boucha, And we were afraid that, you know, because of their history, they're very threatening. And we were worried that, you know, this is a serious issue, which we should not neglect. And then we evacuated. Um, We were traveling to Lviv. So that was the place we decided to evacuate as quickly as possible in one day, I guess. Um, After we've evacuated uh, the next day, um, we decided kind of, I specifically and then my father, um, we decided that we wanted to help and do volunteering we also, with my father, for example, we carried a lot of humanitarian aid. It was, for example, medicine. Um, a lot of times, it was food. And I personally, for example, wrote a lot of letters to international organizations, so they provided maybe us some kind of uh, various things. It could be medication, as usual. It could be maybe food. And I was just helping the charity organization, the volunteer Group, to I guess gather all the resources to you know help our men that are right now on the front lines. So.
1: And so this was you, your brother, your dad, and who else was in your family at the time?
2: And my mother. So that was four of us our whole family. Yeah. We also had another dog. It's a Chihuahua. Yeah. So we also grabbed her, put her in the vehicle and drove off.
1: So then what you were volunteering in Lviv and what happened after that?
2: Yeah. So I went back to Kiev. We were there for a certain time because we um, I'll tell you the truth. So after we came back to Kiev, I had difficulty kind of adjusting and going back to Bucha because it's, it was just mentally like taxing. I just couldn't bear myself to go back there. It was frightening. And it's just you have this paranoia and it's just difficult, right? So after a traumatic experience, you kind of don't want to go back there.
1: When did you move back from Kiev to Bucha?
2: Approximately September or October I guess September, I was already in Bucha, so I came back, and also the reason why we came back to Bucha was because um, our house kind of got a little bit, uh, I guess it it faced some collateral damages from all the missiles, because one of the missiles actually hit our neighbors, um, um, what a backyard, basically, so near his pool, it hit, and so the issue is that um, his doors and all of his windows kind of fell inside the house. They cracked open, right? So there were a lot of damages. And our house um, has a couple of shrapnels. So there are holes inside. Um, right now I'm sitting in a room and we have a wardrobe and there's just these large holes that went through the wardrobe specifically. And so we had to repair the damages and then clean up the house.
1: So many people have fled Ukraine to Poland and other places in Europe and even the United States. What was that decision like for your family to stay or go?
2: I mean, at the moment, it's it's difficult, right? So one thing that's uh, the issue for us, um, as you know, we have this thing called the martial law. And the one kind of the main point about the martial law is that men from 18 to 60 years old are prohibited to leave um, the country. And so one of the things is that our family cannot leave because we are all adults at the moment. So we're staying here.
1: Does that mean that you, your brother and your dad could possibly be drafted, um, be called up to serve in the military?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. We, we could be drafted easily. So at any moment, I guess. How do you feel about that? Um, It's difficult to say. I mean, uh, it's our moral obligation, I think, that we do have to kind of protect. I mean, we are being attacked and it's 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 in hopes that we will protect our future generations also. So that's one thing. And of course, it could be maybe frightening or everything else. But you should you, we just don't think about that at, at the moment. So it's difficult to say.
1: Bucha was the site of a really horrible massacre by the Russian forces your family left before that happened right but yeah what kind of we impact heard, has that had
2: um yeah so i after i left i saw it also on the news so we were we luckily were able to i guess avoid that moment but the thing about it is we still heard from our neighbors and one of our neighbors told a story it's so it's a husband and a wife so the wife had a mother, and so she was of old age, and the issue is that she needed medication. But as you know, because of the invasion, um, there was no medication, right? So where are you going to get it if it's occupied, the Spokia region, by the Russians? And so she was getting more ills from time to time, and this resulted in the fact that she passed, but they couldn't bury her in the cemetery because it was occupied by the Russians. So... What they did was they had to bury her for a certain period of time in their backyard. They later, after everything has, I guess, finished and, you know, we, uh, the Ukrainian forces were luckily able to deoccupy this, the uh, Bucha area. They were able to, uh, I guess, uh, re rebury her, let's say it that way, in an uh, official cemetery. So that's one of the stories I heard and it's just, it's heartbreaking and it's it's horrible.
1: It was good that your family left when you did.
2: Yeah, but it was again, it was, I guess, it was some kind of not even, I don't know, maybe a blessing, maybe some prayer or a hope, but it was just, I don't know what happened, but we just saw that window and it was just a 20, 30 minute window. And I don't understand how that occurred, but luckily my brother was there to push me. And then I was with my brother able to push our family to make a decision.
1: How has your education been affected over the past year?
2: Well, because the COVID 19 pandemic. we were all online at the moment. So even before the war started, um, but then when the war kind of started, you know, you have to understand that everyone is kind of confused and no one knows what to do at the moment because everyone is uh, protecting themselves, trying to survive. And so the decision that some universities made, for example, in my national physical university education of sports of Ukraine, um, they decided to postpone at least for one month to let all the students kind of you know, um, get safety or at least receive safety or just settle in. Um, But my other university, for example, which I study, which is UACU, right? After, I guess, a couple of weeks, they decided to, so they gave us a form that was very different. It wasn't online even, it was distance. And so we didn't have to attend classes. We just had assignments, which weren't, um, sometimes they were easy um, or sometimes they were a little bit intermediate, but they tried to ease the education so we wouldn't be stressed out. So that's one thing I'm also thankful for. So they gave us a time because they knew this was difficult for us. And especially like, you have to understand, right? Everyone is moving back and forth and um, no one knows what to do, right? And you're not thinking about, oh, should I submit this assignment by the deadline? You're thinking of, I gotta survive.
1: So you didn't take any breaks from school. You've continued to study at both universities.
2: Yeah, I decided to keep on proceeding. Um, we have to understand when I arrived to Lviv, I was, it's, you're a little bit kind of mentally broken down in certain aspects. It's just difficult to think. And it's just difficult to analyze everything because there's just so much information, so many things happening, but then you kind of ease it into the educational process. And it just helps you to forget a lot about the moments, which you would um, think about all day long. So it actually kind of Let's you subconsciously not think about the, I guess, even the trauma you went through to a certain degree, right? So you, you, cause you're thinking of other things.
1: Are there, um, internet outages, power outages that you have to deal with now that you didn't have to deal with before or other things that make it hard to continue the education?
2: Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, When the Russian missile attacks started beginning intensively, uh, or at least really intense in Kiev, for example, you've heard about it, approximately in September, that's when the issues with power outages began, right, because they couldn't supply everyone. And so when we had these large power outages, at first we were kind of thinking, okay, how do I... Time managed. That was one thing I learned. It was, for example, if I didn't have electricity, I would work, um, for example, do all my assignments as much as I could on my laptop because I had a certain amount of, you know, battery life. Right. And then when we had electricity, we do other things, for example, cook, clean or maybe just something else, which was more prioritized because you had electricity. We had a generator. We bought a generator. So that was really important. Uh, It could fuel all our gadgets, for example, maybe Uh, a few other devices, which would discharge. Um, Then we bought an addition, which was a car battery, we had jumper cables. And this is important because uh, we needed Wi Fi, for example, right, for a stable connection, a lot of times, and we had optical fiber cable or fiberglass cable. And so with the use of the car battery, we would basically give power to our Wi Fi router. And yeah, it was it's difficult, it was at first difficult, but we learned to adapt. That's the thing that I guess people should maybe um, just understand that you need to adapt to conditions.
1: So what is day-to-day life like for you now?
2: It has become better. in the essence, that we have more electricity now. So that's one thing. Maybe a little bit less stressful because we kind of started learning how to deal with a lot of issues or at least cope with. And just uh, one thing I do need to say is that I guess without my family, it would be so much difficult.
1: Mm-hmm. Is your family still going to your neighbor's house when you need to take shelter underground?
2: Well, when it was so since February 24th, yeah, we did that. But kind of now we've started doing it less and less. It's just because um, we're staying in our house and we feel safe in our house at the moment. So we stopped doing that at the moment currently.
1: Well, I'm glad that you feel safe.
2: Yeah, we're we're feeling safe at now. And I guess that's what we cherish. It and you know, a good sleep also because I've never thought about it. But you know, having a good sleep is just it's it's I don't know, it's even a privilege sometimes, it feels like.
1: How does it feel that we're coming up on the one year anniversary of the war starting?
2: I mean, it's it's it just feels traumatic, right? Because a lot of lives have been lost at the moment and it's it's just difficult thinking about that, right? It's not like a positive anniversary. It's more of just like a reminder that this is happening. And and also like, I do want to think, and it's this really important that people, for example, the soldiers who are on the front lines, like they're protecting us and they're, they're giving me an opportunity to study, receive education and just stay safe and feel safe. So they're putting their lives at risk and this is important. So I'm very thankful for them also.
1: Is the future something that you allow yourself to think about, or do you just try to stay in the present moment? You know, as a 21-year-old who I'm sure you had ideas of what you wanted to do as an adult, and now that's probably changed because of the circumstances.
2: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) The lesson I've learned is that it's hard to plan for even tomorrow because you don't know what's going to happen. Right? You don't. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow specifically um, with the war happening, which is again real. So at the moment, after this lesson, I'm living in the present as much as possible, and I'm sometimes planning. Of course, you can't just say or neglect that. No, I'm not thinking about my future, but you know, just sometimes going back and forth. Is a healthy dose of both, I'd say. So I stay in the present because we need to think about what's happening right now. But for the future, also, like I'm, for example, thinking about masters. Right. So where do I want to go? Or how do I what am I going to do what I'm going to study specifically? So but just not too ahead, <laughs> I guess that's what I would say.
0: Anton Prima is a student at Ukrainian-American Concordia University, which is affiliated with Concordia University in Mekwan. Prima spoke to WUWM's education reporter, Emily Files, from his home in Buca near Kiev. You can find more interviews like this one by visiting wuwm.com slash And while you're there, subscribe to the Lake Effect Spotlight podcast.